of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may have heard the good news for uh, Deacon Innocent and Diaconissa Sandy that they're now grandparents for the first time. So we have Deacon Alexi here this Sunday. Thank you for coming. Uh, since he was gone and since I haven't done a lot with our youth, I decided to go and join them at the corn maze yesterday, the Goyans and Junior Goyans. And it was a wonderful time. We have some very devoted adults who are working with our youth. We also, uh, Rebecca Moffat gave a wonderful talk about the pre-communion prayers. But the thing that was also remarkable to me is the amazing kids that we have in our parish, hearing them engage with the conversation. It was very nice to be there. So today, Deacon was supposed to give the homily. <laughs> but uh, he gave me a, a homily that he had read by Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, Metropolitan Anthony of Siroj. And I read that homily, and it was so profound that I decided to do something a little different, which is to read his homily. So you can hear much wiser words than what I would have to offer. So today I'll read from Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. The story of the Gadarene demoniac is many faceted. One can approach it from many sides. I'd like to spend a little time talking about these different sides and before all else, to direct your attention to one circumstance connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior Jesus Christ is God who became man. He is the word of God who created the universe. He rules the whole world by his wisdom. And suddenly here, as in a whole series of other occurrences, he forgets about everything, it seems. Because in front of him is a specific need, one specific suffering person. This is enough for him to turn all his divine and human attention to that person. This is a remarkable trait in Christ, a remarkable trait in God. We often think that there are great and worthwhile things and things that are small and hardly worth our attention. But it is not so with God. There is no suffering, no pain, no need, no joy that God cannot relate to completely with all his being. And he sometimes introduces a new element into a hopeless situation, opening, as it were, a door which makes a way out of a situation where there was no way out before. And here Christ God of the universe, as if forgetting everything in the world, focuses all his attention on this man, because this man is suffering, because he needs help, because he is in grief. It is worth thinking about this because we do not behave thus with people in need. When poverty encompasses hundreds or thousands of people, we suddenly wake up and begin to act. But when there is one lone person before us suffering, while round about us are the cares of life, our own needs, everything that makes up our private and public life, we pass by. Well, yes, he is suffering, but that is a small private matter. Can we possibly compare it with the world history or with world events? And we forget that each person is infinitely precious, that no one quite like him exists or will ever exist, that he is unique in all the universe and unto all ages. And we need to pay attention to him at any moment, exclusively, even when circumstances in life call us to something else, to what seems to us broader and deeper. At one time I was a doctor, a surgeon in the war, and it was terribly difficult for me when I saw how the war was swallowing up everything, how frightfully the war was advancing, 
and yet my sole care had to be the man who lay before me on the operating table. There was nothing else in the whole world, even if they opened fire on the hospital or medical post where we had been, it was not my concern. Only one man existed. That man, there was no other. And it seems to me that here Christ gives us an example because if we were that attentive to and observant of all the people around us, then life would be altogether different. We would not sacrifice everything for the sake of some cause. We would not even sacrifice the cause because with the right approach to the matter at hand, possibilities would open up that otherwise would have never existed. Now I've spoken about Christ himself. I'd like to stop and take a look at the demoniac. A demoniac is a person who is possessed, who does not have control over himself, who is, as it were, a laughingstock, a plaything of other powers. These other powers, I am deeply convinced of this, as the Holy Scriptures and the life and the teaching of the Holy Fathers of the Church teach us, can actually be demonic, even if they do not always act on such a scale and with such a vividness as they are portrayed here. It can be a man possessed by a passion for drink, can be a drunkard, can have fits of hard drinking, drinking, or a man who is a lecher. It can be a person incapable of refraining from anger. It can be a person who is uncontrollably drawn to theft. It can be a person who burns with hatred, envy, jealousy, or whatever it may be. Take a good look at your own soul as in a mirror, and you will see how many passions there are in it, maybe small, maybe not so tragic as outright demon possession, how many such passions there are in each of us which do not let us have the freedom to fully be worthy of ourselves. Therefore, we ought to have a sober attitude not only towards the demonic possessions that we see in the gospel, but in our lives among the people around us, although more rarely it seems, but also I think the lesser demons, which also make us lesser and strangers to God's truth and man's truth, just as this demoniac. But what is remarkable about this man is that he doesn't just behave as one possessed. As soon as the demoniac finds himself in Christ's presence, even when he still sees him from afar, he sees in Christ peace. He sees in him harmony. He sees in him the wholeness of true man, and at the same time, in this wholeness, he clearly sees God hidden in him. And he falls at Christ's feet and worships him, because even for the demons, God is the one who reigns over all, who is the master of the universe of the visible and invisible world. But these demons remain demons, the possessed man falls at Christ's feet, but the uncleanness, the unclean forces, the unclean inclinations in him cry out to Christ. What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beseech you, do not torment me. And the Savior asks, what is your name? Our name is Legion, that is, a whole horde lies in the man, as in a nest. And what lies in us? How many little devils. How many lesser demons possess us? Envy and jealousy and livaciousness and cowardice and falsehood and greed and avarice and hatred and malice and refusing to give even when someone offends us and so on and so on. One may say that a legion lies in us as well.
and Christ commands them to depart. But for these demons to depart means to return to the abyss. They want to remain in the visible world somehow, so as not to go to the outer darkness prepared for the devil and his servants. And they beseech Christ, let us go into this herd of swine. We often hear the question, why, what was it about these swine that attracted them? It was the fact that among the Jews as well as the Muslims, pigs are a symbol of uncleanness. And of all the animals that were round about, the demons saw the one creature that proclaimed all just who they were. They departed where? Into the domain of ritual uncleanness. And what happened when this uncleanness gains power is graphically illustrated further on. The whole herd runs down and throws itself into the sea and perishes. From this it is quite evident what happens if evil, even little imps, even a lesser abomination, is given full freedom. It will lead to perdition, to ruin, and to death. And what next? Something terrible happens. The swine herds run to rouse all the people in the villages and in the city, telling them what happened. And the people hurry to see what indeed was performed there, to have a look at the demoniac. And they see that he is now in his right mind and clothed. But where are the pigs? Drowned. And here a frightful thing happens. It isn't important to them that this man is healed, but rather that the pigs are dead. Yes, that's really horrible. They don't want to see this happen again. They turn to Christ and say, get out of our territory. The salvation of one man at such a price, at such an impact on our wallets, no, well, we don't agree to this. We read such a story with horror and we think, how is this possible? But in actual fact, are we really willing in every individual case to sacrifice our prosperity and property so that one person becomes well, enters into life, regains consciousness? Not always. And therefore, let us not reproach these gathering people too much, but think about ourselves. How would I answer? If suddenly all my property, everything I had put my hopes on in order to grow rich and live well, were taken away from me, only so that one person could be normal, healthy, could be, begin a new life. What would I say to this? Let us reflect on this because we are not better than these people in everything. And next, Christ leaves. And the former demoniac wants to follow him. I will come with you. He does not want to part from the man who gave him a new life. And Christ says to him, no, go home to your own and tell them what happened. Your own refers to these very residents, the Gadarenes. They too may have lost some swine. How would they receive him? Besides this, we all know that witnessing to strangers is not so difficult because they don't know us. But to witness about something great that has happened to us personally to our close ones is far more difficult. The answer is often, well, tell us, this happened to you, such a miracle happened. Such things don't happen to people like you. And that's what Christ sends this demoniac to. And each of us who by the power of Christ, by the power of faith in Christ, renounces all his demon possession and begins a new life as one who has recovered, who has been healed, that is, made whole. That's what the Lord calls us to. 
Go to your own and let them see what a great miracle God can perform even in one of your own family. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon us and save us. Amen.